Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome into history, the debut episode of Around the Dial. DA with you every single day will bring you the very best in sports talk radio in a neatly packaged meal that you can open and enjoy and digest and love. And so let's begin in Philadelphia, where this is a really interesting scenario unfolding yet again for the Eagles. Defending Super Bowl champions, and now they've got a win on Sunday over Washington and hope that the Vikings lose. It's on Nick Foles' shoulders yet again. And yet again, there could be magic in there. Center Jason Kelsey joined John Johnson and Joe Giglio on WIP in Philadelphia. Should Nick Foles be back as an Eagle next year? Just a moment, I'm going to ask you about the Washington and playoff and the playoff chances and all. But I have to ask you just one final question about Nick Foles. He's earned himself a possible big payday this coming off season. However, I can't imagine anybody wants to see him leave Philly. We know this is Carson's team long-term, but nobody wants to see Nick leave Philly. Everybody, I mean, from all indications, he's loved in the locker room and especially from the fan base. Um, have you or will you lobby to keep him here? Lobby to keep Nick Foles here? Yeah. I'll, I don't, yeah, I mean, that's that's above my pay grade. That's That comes down to salary cap things. And, you know, obviously we already have Carson this there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously would love to keep Nick Foles. He's a great teammate. He's one of my, one of the guys that I've been here in Philadelphia with for a long time. Um, he's one of my all-time favorites as a teammate, but that's not always the way it works, unfortunately. Um, I think that if you ask Nick, he would love to stay here as well. But, um, you know, there's, there's no question that being a backup quarterback is not what that guy should be. I think we all see that. And, um, and and the reality is that's probably going to be someplace else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even with him playing the incredible season he has, you know, we're just in a unique situation here in Philadelphia where you have a tremendous young quarterback who's, uh, you know, he's uh, the future is all in front of him. He's still on a rookie contract. And then you got another guy who's unfortunately uh, been in the league for a very long time. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different dynamics to it. Um, so I'm going to stay out of that I'm sure <laughs> um, i'm sure that the eagles organization will figure that one out but um you know part of me selfishly wants to keep nick Foles here as long as possible for situations like this you know i get to play with um a guy that is fun to play with i get to play with a guy who's an incredible leader a, a great teammate a guy that i play with a long time um but then you have the other aspect of it where you know this guy deserves to be making a lot of money and starting and and being an incredible football player and uh, if the opportunity arises where he can go do that, um, you know, as his friend and a guy that that loves and appreciates him, I hope that he takes that opportunity. Two more questions for you, Jason Kelsey. Uh, it all comes down to Sunday afternoon, 425 against the Redskins. Will you be scoreboard watching during the game, or, or will you avoid looking all together and wait till the game's over? Um, that's a great question. <clears throat> I normally don't even notice the scoreboards in the stadium. 
uh, depending on how our game's going, that might dictate, uh, you know, how much scoreboard watching I'm doing. Uh, you know, if we get up to a pretty good lead, I might be glancing over to, to check out what's going on with that Minnesota game. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, our buddy Matt Nagy can, you know, give us some help. <laughs> Look, I think no matter what happens on Sunday, Foles is going to be a very desirable quarterback in this offseason where he ends up. Nobody knows a really good commodity for the Eagles to have. And when Kelsey says he shouldn't be a backup, he's right. Have you seen some of the quarterbacking in the NFL this year? I don't care if Nick Foles is just happens to be on another magic carpet ride. We've seen enough. I've seen enough. And I've seen enough of the Blaine Gabbert to the world as well. We don't need stiffs like Nathan Peterman. More Nick Foles, please. Kelsey's right. He shouldn't be a backup. And who knows if he ends up in the playoffs and another deep January again for the Eagles. Just amazing. One of the craziest storylines in recent NFL history. In the Bay Area, they're all wondering what's going on with the Warriors to get pounded by the Lakers, even after the Lakers lost LeBron on Christmas Day. Is once again a scratch-your-head moment for this two-time defending world champion Golden State Warriors team. Michael Thompson, of course, is the color analyst for the Lakers broadcast, but he's also the father of Clay Thompson. So he joined Damon Bruce on 95-7 The Game in San Francisco, and Damon Bruce asked Michael Thompson whether his son was dealing with the distractions or the pressure of being an upcoming free agent as Clay goes through a pretty massive shooting slump right now. We, we love Clay. I mean, Clay is the coolest cucumber in the room, pretty much no matter what room he's standing in. His attitude, the way that your son is wired, is something I think every sports fan in the Bay Area respects to the point where we almost accept Clay to not behave the way normal humans behave. Like, eventually something gets to everyone. It doesn't seem like anything gets to Clay, but he can't be that unhuman. He has to be pervious, not impervious, but pervious. He has to be susceptible to pressure, and it's a contract year. Does that have anything to do with what we're looking at? Contract year hangs over every professional athlete. Why wouldn't it hang over Clay? No, not at all. It doesn't. He's not thinking about it at all. He, we never talk about that. He never brings it up. He just wants to help his team win and do his part to consistently. Uh, he's not even thinking about a contract year. That's so far away, seven, eight months away. That's nothing. All they care about right now is beating the Portland Trailblazers. That's the only thing they're talking about. Look, and, and I said today wasn't going to be a panic button show. There's way too much credit in the bank for the Warriors to have anybody go pushing panic buttons. As someone who's watched Clay closer than literally anyone else in in the world that I could possibly talk to and have on as a guest today, Michael, are you seeing anything different? He looks the same as he's shooting the ball to me. Maybe the so- shot selection, that fadeaway uh, mid-range is, is, is rearing its head a little bit more often than, than we would like to see, but it, it looks the same. It's just the results are different right now. Yeah, the main thing is don't change your, your pattern. Don't change your style. Don't change your shooting form. Uh, once you're missing right now, as long as you stay consistent with your shooting form and keep your confidence up, they'll start falling. So even though they haven't been falling regularly or consistently to this point, as long as you don't uh, start doubting yourself mentally and changing things up physically, if you uh, just stay to your form and stay with what you believe in, it'll come back. You know, Pops might know a lot of what's going on with his son. I would imagine so. I think they've got a really close bond, obviously. 
But one thing I found really interesting of what Michael Thompson said to Damon was that there's just no way that Clay is even thinking about it because he hasn't even brought it up. Well, just because Clay hasn't brought it up doesn't mean he's not thinking about it. I mean, you could think about other things you've gone through in your life and just had swimming around your head, and you didn't necessarily need to or want to verbalize it, even to family. I could absolutely see Clay Thompson thinking about free agency and also not wanting it to become a thing, so not actually verbalizing it to anybody. I think it's hard to imagine that Clay is suddenly in this massive slump and is a free agent coming up, and the two are not related. One thing we know is that the Warriors aren't playing like the Warriors have. It feels like they've lost a lot of the joy, and they've lost a lot of the unity and chemistry, and that has to do with Draymond. It has to do with Clay. It might also have to do with what KD and Draymond said to one another, but the whole thing feels very tenuous right now, and Clay is right smack dab in the middle of it. Great stuff with my namesake, Damon Bruce, a 95-7 the game. In D.C., one of the craziest moments of the week and really the holiday season. So after Washington's loss on Sunday, safety D.J. Swearinger goes on the offensive and just kind of trashes the coach and trashes his defensive coordinator and trashes the scheme that Washington was playing. So Grant Paulson and Pete Medhurst on 106.7 The Fan have D.J. Swearinger on that day to talk about those comments and... Breaking news alert. Jay Gruden said he was going to speak with you today. You're live on the air. Has he spoken with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how'd the meeting go? I was released, so. You were released by the Redskins? Yeah. You're kidding? No, I'm not kidding at all, boss, man. Okay, well, we got a lot to discuss then. What did Jay Gruden say to you when he released you? Uh, the only thing he said was just, uh, um, I've been into in his meeting room three times and he was going to release me. I asked him why he didn't give me an explanation. So um, I guess, you know, it was just because of the media. So um only way I know is, you know, keep grinding and, you know, keep doing, you know, keep being myself and, you know, uh, you know, just get ready for the next journey, man, next chapter in my life. Yeah, I know, DJ, I know you got to stay true to who you are. That's That's what people do in this. As the Redskins structure is, let me ask you this question. Was it just you and Jay? Was it a one-on-one meeting, or was anyone else from the organization present with that meeting as well? I mean, it was just me, man. It was just me, me and Jay. Uh, um, we met, like I said, we met before. Um, thought we had an understanding the last time we met. Uh, but, you know, obviously that wasn't the case. And, um, you know, uh that release, man. So that's 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 the um the last of that, and I'm uh, just looking forward to moving forward, man, and getting 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 on with my journey. DJ, what did Jay Gruden tell you when you were in his office before, and what did he tell you today as it pertains to? He, he made it sound like to the media we had a conversation. This won't be an issue. Did he say last time no more strikes or you're out? No, no, no. It definitely wasn't that. It wasn't even a conversation. Of thinking, you know, you know, never, never, with the last conversation we had, never in a million years would I thought I would be released, and you know, so, uh, you know, like I said, <clears throat> we 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 came to an agreement, you know, actually, even, you know, he agreed with me on some of the schedules, so, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't get that, but you know, um, 
it is what it is, man. You know, I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of stuff, you know, I could say, you know, in a negative way, uh, in a negative approach or, you know, things that wasn't handled professional. But, um, you know, I'm going to keep it professional, you know, um, and, and, uh, you know, that's, and, and be a pro about mine, man, you know, because, uh, uh, that's the only way I know how to be a pro and keep it moving forward. And um, if, if they, you know, if, I, if they release me, man, if that's what feel the best thing for the Redskins, man, then um, it's the best thing for me too. So uh, I'm just ready to look forward to my next journey, boss man. I hear you, and I appreciate uh, as always that you you made a couple of minutes for us and DJ Swearingers on Grant and Danny. Now there's a lot of things. Obviously, we were gonna ask you about your comments about Greg Minuski that we'll get into, but obviously this is now the news. So I, I want to go back to the release. When he told you he was releasing you, what did you say to Jay Gruden? Yeah, I, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, why? And uh, he didn't say anything, so. Like, at no I point did he that. respond, or he didn't have an answer yeah. at that moment? I guess he didn't have an answer or respond, or, you know, he just wanted to release me, and that was that. Um, there wasn't no explanation on why, or, you know, he just said it was the third time I've been in his office, and uh, we're going to release you. And that was that. Okay, and who do you tell first? You walk out of the office. Do you go see your teammates and dap them up? I mean, how does that work? Do you have oh, to walk yeah. straight definitely, out of the building? Definitely, man. Definitely, man. I definitely uh, dap my boy, get dap my guys up. You know, um, just told them to keep grinding. You know, um, different strokes for different folks, man. And um, that's sort of, you know, been my life. You know, my whole life. You know, different strokes for different folks. You know, may not go as you know where you want to plan it, but at the, at the end of the day, you know you, you got to keep God first. You got to keep grinding, stay true to who you are. You know, never let nobody bring you down, no matter what the circumstances may be. And you know, just keep grinding, put your best foot forward every time. Having a guy on the air, essentially, as he gets released, <laughs> that's fantastic. Also, I love DJ saying, you know, I'm just going to keep it professional here. Oh, oh, so so now it's about keeping it professional. Okay. Got it. Just wanted to make sure that we knew where we all stood right here, DJ. After the game, totally just want to unload the chamber on your defensive coordinator, Greg Minuski. Afterwards, after you get released and without a job, hey, I'm just here to keep it professional. Interesting how that, that timing worked out. Also, I love DJ Swearinger saying different strokes for different folks. You know, I'm sitting here listening to this interview, and suddenly I'm transported back to a very special episode of Different Strokes where Arnold and Willis are debating whether Mr. Drummond is going to kick them out of the house or not because the room is too messy. In Pittsburgh, there's a lot of anger and a lot of frustration surrounding what feels like another lost Steelers season. Pittsburgh needs to win on Sunday over the Bengals, and then they need help from hated rivals, the Cleveland Browns, as the Browns would have to knock off the Ravens to allow the Steelers to win the division. So this is obviously a terrible spot to be in coming into a season with Super Bowl aspirations. And Andrew Filipponi, a 93-7 the fan in Pittsburgh, called it unacceptable and went after Mike Tomlin's coaching this year. This is not good enough. It's not. It's completely unacceptable that this team with the most pro bowlers in the NFL is in this predicament where Mike Tomlin is having to talk on Christmas Day about how we're going to worry about the Bengals and we're not going to think about what else is happening in other stadiums. 
This team ripped off six straight wins. They were 7-2-1. and one. And now they need help? It's embarrassing, and the coach has a lot to do about it. Frankly, the coach, for people that are just kind of leaving it at, this has been a bad year for Mike Tomlin, stop. It's been a really bad two years for Mike Tomlin. I don't want to hear about 13-3 and three last year. I don't. They went 4-1 and one in games decided by three points or fewer, by a field goal or less. They played a bevy of backup quarterbacks last year. The AFC North didn't put a second team into the playoffs, so we can't say that you know it was a strong division. They went 13-3. and The head coach ran his mouth to Tony Dungy about playing the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. His team acted like the Ringley Brothers Circus. They were mouthing off, popping off, acting like clowns all of last year. In-house fighting, wide receivers making fun of other wide receivers. Le'Veon Bell, dumbass comments. Mike Mitchell. They go one and done in the playoffs. They get blasted by Blake Bortles, of all people. And now how about this year? What's their encore? Even worse. In position right now to miss on the playoffs. I'll just ask you if this is good enough, folks. Since 2011, so this is now, if you count this year, eight years. In the last eight years, the Steelers have won a whopping total of three playoff games. Three. Three in eight years. When you get a bye, you need three wins to win the Super Bowl. This team has won three in eight years. You tell me if that's good enough for you. Is that acceptable? With this amount of talent with a franchise quarterback to win three playoff games in eight years, this coach is lucky he's still here. You know how many wins Mike McCarthy has in the last eight years in the playoffs? Five. That's not counting the Super Bowl run. Five. He's got two more than Tomlin. He's on the unemployment line. You know how many wins the Patriots have in the playoffs the last eight years? Twelve. You know who's got more playoff wins than Mike Tomlin since 2011? Colin Kaepernick, and he's blacklisted by the NFL. He's got four. Tomlin's got three. Since their last trip to the Super Bowl, Tomlin has three playoff wins in eight years. Look, I get it. I understand Pony's point here, and it is a very significant one. When you look at how few playoff wins they have had over that time frame, it pales in comparison to a team like the New England Patriots or other squads, even like the Green Bay Packers, who have been more consistent. However, I do think that if you're a Steelers fan, you have to ask yourself this question. Who's better that's out there? There's not a lot of great candidates. I don't know if there is a great candidate. Is there a great candidate out there? And I also wonder about this. From a national perspective, a zoom out, if you're not in Pittsburgh, if you're anywhere else, you're probably saying bad season, but Tomlin's won a Super Bowl before. If you're in Pittsburgh, you're probably saying this is too much because you're living and dying with every win or loss or tie on a weekly basis 
They're locked into everything. And I think that's where you will get this divide. Those who aren't in the middle of it will say, eh, you know what? You probably can't do better than Tomlin, so you might as well just keep him. And those on the inside that are dealing with the pain, the frustration of Pittsburgh and the Steelers on a daily basis are going, no way, we can do better, this is unacceptable. I think the truth lies somewhere in between. I think this year has been unacceptable in many ways. However, without a better opportunity or a better option that's out there, are you really feeling like some coordinator is going to step in and do a better job than Tomlin has been doing? In New York, also a lost season for the New York Giants. And everybody's wondering whether Week 17 means the end of Eli Manning. The Giants will be hosting the Cowboys and if the Giants say so long, sayonara to Eli in the offseason, this will be his final game ever in the Giants uniform and his final home game ever at MetLife Stadium. So, what's up, Pat Shermer? He joined Jody McDonald on WFAN on the quarterback's future. What is the main thing that you're trying to accomplish this last week against the Dallas Cowboys? Well, we're trying to go win a game. You know, I've said it. I've said it all along. You know, we we took over a three and thirteen operation. We made a lot of changes to the roster. Probably uh, it's a historic amount. You know, we only have about twelve guys left that wore a Giants helmet a year ago, and new coaches, new systems, and you know, I think we really made progress in the in the back half of the season. Um, and so we want to finish it with a victory. You know, I think part of Building, building a, a program and getting back to winning again is you got to start to win. And you know we had a chance against Indianapolis. It was right we were on the devil's doorstep there, and and uh, we didn't get it done. And so we need to go out this week and get a win in front of our home crowd against a division opponent. Uh, no, you spoke to other members of the media earlier today, right. and you didn't want to discuss Eli's status. It's right. pretty understandable. But if not now, right before the last game of the regular season, then when will you do so after this final game of the season? Or is it something yeah. that's going to wait till further in the off season? Because inquiring Giant fans' sure. minds want to know. Sure, I think I think it's natural for everybody because we're not playing in the playoffs to drift toward the off season. You know, we this is still not the off season. We're still in season and and that's all that all that conversation all those discussions uh will happen here down the road down the road but soon you know as to what we're going to do moving forward but listen Eli's Eli's done a lot of really really good things this year and I'm I I'm, I really appreciate everything that Eli is and he gives us the best opportunity to win and there's so many things about Eli that I've gained a, a, a huge appreciation for behind the scenes the way he approaches his work, the way he studies, you know, I think he's still throwing the ball extremely well. And when it's all coordinated, when we're blocking and we're running the ball and we can do the things that we did really for about 58 minutes of the Indianapolis game, you know, I think it, I think it all works. Do you handle it the same way you handle the rest of the giant nation? Do you stick to talking about week to week and the next opponent or do your conversations with him behind closed doors drift toward future matters? No, we stay in the moment. We really do. And, you know, I think we all know at some point here in the off season we're going to start talking about moving forward. You know, that's just that's just part of being an adult. You know, I, I think at this point, though, we we stay in the moment. And, you know, his focus today was was Wednesday preparation, you know, first down, second down, a little bit of third down. Uh, as it applies to the Dallas Cowboys. And, 
yeah, I tell you what, he's he's amazingly consistent, and I think that's what you need from a quarterback. And I've said it all along, you know, you know, at some point we're all done playing and we're all done coaching, but I can see why he's had success for a very, very long time by the way he prepares. Ah, coach using the phrase devil's doorstep to describe Sunday's game. I think that that's probably a pretty perfect way to describe the Giants' season in general, the devil's doorstep. We were on the devil's doorstep. Also, I like that Coach Shermer saying, well, you know, when we when we block uh, and we run the ball and we do everything else right, Eli's actually not that bad. Oh, that's good. That's good. So what you're saying is if we're perfect around him, Eli's still serviceable. Not exactly the glowing recommendation I need to hear right now. I think Eli is toast. I've seen too many awful throws and bad decisions and an offense that just looked impotent despite having dynamic rookie Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham for a number of games this year. I've seen too much to make me feel like Eli's got anything good football-wise left in that arm. And finally, in Cleveland, it's happy days. Somehow, some way, the Browns were 0-16 last year and are now on the verge of being above 500 for the year. They are 7-7-1 and can finish with an above 500 record with a win over the Ravens on Sunday. So what happens now? Is Greg Williams going to be the new full-time head coach in Cleveland? Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network joined Baskin and Phelps on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. When I say make the decision, I mean in the end says do it. That's He's fair. the one who hired John Dorsey. Now, will John Dorsey bring him a number of candidates? Will he listen to John Dorsey's strong pitch for whomever it is that Dorsey wants? Absolutely. But in the end, you know, he can always say, no, don't hire that guy. That, that, that's the point I'm making. So right. will, he, will he listen to the Dorsey, De Podesta, whomever pitch? Of course. In the end, he's the one that has to say, send the plane. Well, I think we sit here with George Kokina's fear. And when I say that, I say that people think that if they get the coaching hire wrong this time, that it's on John Dorsey, that John Dorsey has one chance to get this right, that John Dorsey has this piece of paper, his magical piece of paper in his pocket that has been in there since uh, he was born and that that magical piece of paper will never change. I I laugh when I hear this, but I I don't think he only has one chance to get this right, especially if it's groupthink that decides who the next head coach should be. If John Dorsey can continue to deliver the players that he did in his first draft, why would you ever walk away from him? He might walk away from you first. You're not going to walk away from Dorsey. No. Second of all, here's here's what I'm feeling right now, because I feel it too, right? There there are all of the – Browns fans right now think that they're going to wake up and everyone's going to tell them it was all a dream. They, they live in fear, because I'm speaking for myself, live in fear of something going wrong and messing this run up, right? Like potentially something going wrong Sunday and heading into the offseason. I've had this thought. I had a five-and-a-half-hour plane flight yesterday. You, 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 what, what could go wrong Sunday? Stop thinking about what can go wrong. Think about what can and will continue to go right. And if they win, 
does Greg Williams get this job? I'll be honest. I told you two months ago, no way in H-E double hockey sticks. Uh, now it could very well happen because, and this is an inside information, I don't know how you ever tell a guy who won six out of eight and got them over 500 that he shouldn't have the job. You know, my fear is can this good can, – can his style of coaching last through an offseason? Can this momentum carry into September? I don't know that it can, but the people in the building have a better feel for it. And here's another thing. I don't know that John Dorsey has one name and one name only that he's infatuated with that has to replace Greg Williams. You know, so many coaching hires come from great interviews. I'll use Mike Tomlin as an example. And everyone does. He wasn't going to get that job. And then he blew him away in the interview. And there might be an heretofore unimagined candidate who blows them away in the interview. Could no very one well knew be. who Freddie Kitchens was. Greg Williams sat up there on the podium. No, Freddie Kitchens wasn't my choice. And we all went, okay, this is going to crash and burn, yeah. except it didn't. Look, I don't think that Greg Williams feels like the long-term fit for the Browns. I got real concerns over whether this works for 16 games, as Siciliano alluded to. But how can you not hire Greg Williams after this finish? How can you not? He's got the ultimate ace to play, which is I won, and nobody else has won here. I mean, nobody has won in Cleveland. He took over a team that went 0 for 2017, that went 1 for the last two years, and he made them above 500. He made them a dangerous team to play in November and December. I mean, he made them winners. Who else can say that? Nobody else can say that. And so because of it, I don't know if you can afford to not give Greg Williams the job. What happens if you hire somebody else and next year they're suddenly 5-11 again? And you say, ah, we screwed that up. There it is, the maiden voyage of Around the Dial. And look, we didn't even break anything. And that's the very best in sports talk for December 27th, 2018. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.